Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. We had some big news at TBT this week. We announced our 2016 plans. The short and quick of it is $2 million, winner take all. $200,000 are going to go to the fans of the winning team. So I figured it'd be a great time to check in with TBT founder and CEO, John Mugar. John's been a friend of mine for 30 years, and I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Hopefully as much as I did, I found myself laughing pretty much the whole way through. Remember that if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, hit that little subscribe button in the top right-hand corner, and if you like what you're hearing, leave us a rating and a review. It'll help spread the word. Thanks. John. Yeah. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Big news this week. Huge news. What uh, What do you have to say about it? What do you think? I am pretty excited you can uh, tell. by the response we've gotten so far going up to uh, a $2 million winner-take-all prize. The other big part, too, that people have really seemed to respond to is the 200,000 to the top 100 fans of the winning team. Yeah. We have paid – we paid 5% to the winning team's fans – Last year, and so they got fifty thousand um, dollars. But going to ten percent and two hundred thousand dollars will hopefully sink in quite a bit better. It's a big, uh, it's a big statement to make. What is the? Opinion. You know, one of the questions that I get all the time is, you know, why do we do that? Why is it that the fans are getting anything at all? What, what's your thought on that? Well, I think that the fans are as much of a part of a team's. Uh, ability to succeed, succeed as the players and the coaches are, uh, and I, I think that that fans should be relied upon um, and viewed as such. So I, I I think that there's they get viewed too much as a revenue re, as a revenue uh, source as opposed to someone who actually helps it win or lose. Do you think that that actually happens at sort of the top levels of? sports that the fans actually have an impact on wins or losses i do i mean yeah i do i don't think i think they absolutely do you see the home court advantages that some teams establish and how that passion really translates to to a team winning but if someone's going to invest so much time and effort into a team into going to all the games into talking about them helping them promote Etc. Just makes sense to pay them. And what you said before is that most of the time the fans are kind of looked at as nothing but a revenue source or a new opportunity to market something to and to get them to actually spend more money on the team. And you're kind of flipping the script on that one. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're viewed. I, yeah, I don't think they're kind of. I think that people want to do the best for the fan. They want to give them the best experience uh, in the stadium or or in the ballpark. But I think that. No one ever really thinks of them uh, as people who should share in, uh, financially share in a team's success, which is just kind of feels pretty natural to me. Yeah. You know, why not do that? Did you, I remember when we were first talking about this and that we started talking about how some of the European soccer clubs do it, you know, like Real Madrid and FC Barcelona where the fans own the team. And that was something that seemed to resonate with you back then. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what do you? I mean, you like that though, right? I mean, they, I owned a piece. I owned a, a share of the Boston Celtics when I was growing up. Yeah, so I remember I, they 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 did that for a while, where they you could actually buy shares of the team and you know have a certificate that said you owned X number of shares or something, right? So 
if I, I think I had that in the 80s, I mean, it should be worth a lot of money today, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the way that values of sports franchises have skyrocketed, it would seem that you're probably sitting on a gold mine. Maybe that could fund TBT. Yeah, I just got a, I just got a text from, um, from uh, Jesse. Jesse Leeds. Saying there's a team coming in called the Philly Vets. The Philly Vets? Yeah. Presumably named after the old stadium. What, what's the story with this team? At least they don't have elite in there. Um, <laughs> the elite Philly Vets. Everyone, by the way. Team Philly Elite Vets. So this team, according to Jesse, he believes they have Alvin Williams, formerly of the Raptors, Katino Mobley, formerly of the Rockets, and then Rasheed Wallace, formerly of the Pistons. I mean, that how sounds... many? What percentage of teams that Jesse claims are going to come in actually come in? First of all, you know, I don't know. I think that what I enjoy more than the actual teams even joining are the idea that they might. You know, and I think you probably get the same kick out of it. I love hearing about these names that Jesse hears from all of these people that he talks to about organizing these teams. Rasheed Wallace would be great, but I think, I mean, he's got to be older than us, isn't he? Like forty-two or forty-three at this point. I said to Jesse, I said he'd make a great ringer, which is a new addition. Maybe we'll talk about, but and um, they, they could add him in later if they get to the Super 16. And Jesse's like, no, he's 100% in. He's playing, <laughs> playing every game. Well, he might only play one. You never know. With single elimination, it might just be a one and done scenario for Rashid, you know? Yeah. He would be a, he would be a good name because um, people really – they tend to gravitate towards the, even though he's on the older side, people find a lot of interest like in Jason Williams joining last year, yeah. signing up last year. So I think, I think he's one of those types of names though, that people would kind of take interest in. Yeah. Him in particular. And I feel like that is a name Rashid Wallace that we've heard a few times, uh, a little bit, I think in 2014, but we definitely heard that name last year, but he's one of those guys, John, I think of a certain generation of person who's probably between, you know, 27 and 35, where they look at Rasheed Wallace as, you know, the the sort of poster child of their era of the NBA. You know, just like there's something about him that is just so charismatic and interesting to people. Tracy yeah. McGrady was like that, too. And obviously, Allen Iverson, I think. And Larry Bird. Well, that's the I mean, I think that's us. I think that's I think that's in our demo. But Larry Bird is, you know, obviously part of the main reason why I think I love basketball and enjoy it yeah. as much as I do. Well, the, um, hypo- the, hypo- oh, the hypothetical you know that i think somebody maybe my mom asked me one day it was um if the dream team entered a team how good would they do yeah right now at the age right, of whatever they right are now. yeah now i mean i feel like they would win at least two games minimum it depends what seed we'd give them i i don't know well what what how old are those guys jordan have to, didn't jordan just turn I'd have to look at like Carmelone being what kind of shape that man's in. Yeah. Or like Stockton. I would imagine Stockton Malone can still get up and down the court. They were definitely I, seen, I saw Patrick Ewing on the bench. He's an assistant, I think, in Orlando and not the best. No, he's he kind of has definitely fallen out of shape. I, you know, I'm gonna probably sound like an idiot if I'm wrong about this, but was Hakeem Elijah one on the dream team? I I I don't think so. Because I think he he ended up playing. No, I think that no, not at all. He played for the U.S. in 1996. So he was actually he was a U.S. Olympian, although born in Africa. He uh, became a U.S. citizen for purposes of the Olympics at one point, but I guess he's he must have been too old. 
No, the Admiral was on here. I'm looking at the picture now. Sorry, right. he, he, Hakeem's not on here. All right. All right. So he doesn't count. But let's. So the 92 Dream Team, <laughs> Larry Bird is, I mean, probably can still shoot, but really would have a really hard time getting up and down the court, considering even at the age of 36. He well, do you do think, it. how many people, what kind of media coverage would we get? That would be the biggest story in sports of the this decade between 10, 2010 and 2020. That would be the biggest story in sports history for that decade. Um, yeah. Don't you think? I mean, yeah. what's, what would be better than that? I mean, the dream team was amazing and they're really old. So, you know, they've gone from sort of what they were, <laughs> they would go from what they were in 92 where they were the overwhelming favorites to win every game to like, they would be almost overwhelming underdogs to win every game. Yeah. They're, I'm looking at their team now. I think their lineup would be vastly different than it was then, though. The starting lineup. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we could start Bird right now. I, I would start Stockton, Malone. I think Pippen's in very – I happened to see Pippen in a hotel about six months ago in the lobby, and I yeah. didn't say anything to him, but he looked like he's in very good shape. So Pippen, Malone, Stockton, I believe David Robinson would not let himself get out of shape. It's based on nothing. And then Drexler. So that, that's my starting five. Oh, Jordan. Jordan's probably in good shape. Jordan would, yeah, Jordan would. If he's not in the like game shape right now, he could do it. I think they could win two games. And then the head coach, I think Chuck Daly died, right? Did he? I don't yeah, know. I think so. So you'd have uh, Coach K, Krzyzewski, as the coach probably. Yeah. He could coach them to at least two victories, I think. I would love to see that. I'm um, interested. Well, be that as it may, I don't know if the Dream Team's going to join or not. It would be great if they did. I think we would be very happy with that and pleased obviously. Oh, Jesse Jesse just texted me. He said the dream team is in 100%. <laughs> That's great. Who is he talking? Who's the who's their GM? Um, who is their GM? I think he's they're entering under Floyd Mayweather's uh TMT banner. Oh, really? Yeah, Floyd got them all. Oh, that's great. Yep. They're going to be called Elite. Floyd's going to be the booster. Dream Team Elite, I think is their name. Yep. That's what he was saying to me. And they're going to uh their ringer is going to be Kobe Bryant. Oh, you know, this is the second reference to The Ringer, so I had planned on talking about that later, but we might as well talk about it now. There's these really great little elements in the rules, if anybody bothers to read them, and one of them is The Ringer. So why don't we go ahead, John, and tell us what The Ringer is. The Ringer is um, an incentive, basically, for teams to get to 2,000 votes. So anytime, any team that gets 2,000 votes before July 8, before games begin, will be eligible to add a ringer to its roster once they get down to the Super 16. So if a team wins two games, they get to the Super 16. At that point, if they have 2,000 votes by July 8, they will be able to add a player to their roster. Anybody who has not played in the event is fair game up until that point. So you make it to the round of 16, Super 16. You've got a connection to Allen Iverson. Iverson didn't want to come to the regional round, but you think that you could get him to show up to Philly and play on your team when you make it to the Super 16. Yeah, Allen he, Iverson could be your ringer. He would be great, and um, but I think more likely, just with the way that Summer League is scheduled, I think a lot of people will probably pull someone from a Summer League team, but or anyone they know, a high-profile player. Maybe a player doesn't want to get involved until they know a team is serious and, and only four wins away from $2 million. So it's for all those guys, all those likable guys who don't want to be in in the beginning but want to get in the end. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and I think one of the coolest parts about it, which is what we're thinking about and talking about earlier, was we're not going to reveal the identity of the ringer until 
game time. Yeah, so let's let's kind of game plan this. Uh, you reach two thousand votes by July eighth. You have the right to name a ringer. You're going to have to tell us right after the round of uh, the regional round, the second regional round on by midnight of July eighteenth, which I think is a Monday, right? Yeah. So you tell us who your ringer is by that point. We know who it is. We've identified who the person is and verified their identity through their video. But we're not going to reveal who the actual person is until you show up to play in the Super 16. Yep. That's going to be great. That'd be some what's great that, drama. What's not great about that? I don't know. I can't think of, honestly, and I've tried to game plan out all the negatives that might be about it, and there are none. So it just sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. I may, I may actually not... I may have you conceal the identity of the ringer from just you? for my sake. <laughs> that would be great. Just so I can be as excited as everyone else. <laughs> well, you actually watch these games sort of as a fan, it seems like to me. It's like, you know, I remember you joked at one point that you were going to you were going to watch the championship game from underneath the stands because you were so nervous. Yeah. Um, I need to be alone and my thoughts are not good ones at that point. I just have to be alone. Um, actually, in the number one ES. ESPN Sports Center number one play, the Zach Andrews junk that's dunk that's in our video. Um, you can see me very clearly sitting alone in the background, the only person there. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do that. I not never actually paid attention to that. Not surrounded by anybody. This is in the launch video that's on our YouTube channel, which by the way I should plug. It's uh youtube.com backslash TPT basketball. And so in that video when Zach Andrews has the dunk, you're in the background sitting by yourself. Yeah, and here's what's going through my mind. So we, we had a band that day. And our security moved the band for some reason from where I was sitting to a different corner that was not visible on TV. And I was, I was so panicked and angry because I want, I want there to look like there are people in the stands in that corner of the gym. <laughs> and so I was sitting there trying in as wide a stance as possible with my legs. Uh, <laughs> Taking up as much it. space. Yeah. And I, I just tried to be a blob and, uh, and, and look like uh, 20 people. Wait, so... Can we backtrack that for a second? The security team moved the band because the band was a security risk. No, I don't. I think that there was they had a question over uh, over fire lanes and things like that, which wound up not being legitimate. So I, we had the band move back. Oh, bummer. That band was fantastic, by the way. It was the St. John's Pep Band, right? Yeah, and it, but it figures, you know, for the two minutes that they weren't in where they should have been, we had a play, our probably the most well known play of the tournament. It was really funny. It was a great play, too. I mean, obviously, I've played that. Uh, what does he say? Like, the announcer says, what up, son? I think he says something like that. I mean, that's just great when you hear that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm actually looking through the How It Works page right now. And it kind of gave me an idea to go through something with you. Uh, there's a listing here on the How It Works page off of the tournament.com where it says the ideal team composition. General, yep. general manager. Team leader who oversees all aspects of a team, from naming the team to recruiting players to gathering votes. Can you talk to me and tell me and the, anyone that might be listening to this just how important it is to have a good GM in TBT? It's everything. It's absolutely everything. You're not getting in unless you have a good GM. Uh, and we've had plenty of models now over the past two years of great GMs. But somebody who has respect of the players who can, who's very well organized, who can communicate with us. I mean, that's, that's absolutely everything. Just, you will not win this tournament without a good GM. And the next one over from that, I think, at least for this year, in terms of how difficult it's going to be to get in, is the booster. And what we have written here in the site is a promoter or somebody like Buddy Garrity 
who can help your team get votes, e.g. a celebrity with a lot of followers, college fans slash alumni group, a nonprofit, a blogger, etc. Um, how hard do you think it is going to be to get in this year? I, I, I don't think that any team that can't get to 1,500 to 2,000 votes should even bother trying. I feel like there's with only 16 teams in each region, um, there, every team is going to have to be aligned with some sort of a network that enables them to branch out and, and get votes, get out to thousands of people to try to get them on their team. Yeah. And we've talked about this before, but I think with the, the numbers of what we saw last year in the Northeast and how competitive it was to get in that region, which was the second year that we were in Philly, I, I suspect that that same phenomenon is going to happen, but even more aggressively in all the other regions too. Yeah, I I think you're right. I, if you look at the the number of automatic slots that in each region at 12, and then you look at our having four at-large teams to pick in each region, but they're really, if we're, we're going to admit our regional champions from last year in the at-large slots in each of those regions, as long as they get to 200 votes, so we're really talking about three at-large spots that we get to pick in each region. So they're getting, teams are going to have to get uh, in on popularity alone. Yeah, yeah. Although I will say not to, not to, um, not to uh, diminish the necessity of having somebody that's going to get those votes for you, but in 2014, the Philly Patriots got, al- I think, almost 2,000 votes themselves without somebody. And they did it through everybody in the team hustling and scratching for votes for the last three weeks of the, of the qualification period. So it's not impossible, but you've really got to work at it to get those votes. If you want to, if you want to qualify that way. Yeah. I mean, the, the booster doesn't mean much unless that person is willing to help you get votes, right? You know, putting a name on your roster is not really going to help you get into the tournament. Well, and I think one thing that we've, I think laughed, I know I've laughed about it with you is, is just how people per- perceive that you can just have, Somebody that has 300,000 followers or a million followers on Twitter tweet something, and then that's going to suddenly lead to millions of votes for your team. It just does not work like that. It's not no. even close. No, nope, it doesn't. Um, what I wanted to talk about too, John, was some of the changes that we have in 2TBT this year. So we've mentioned it already, but we went to 64 teams instead of the 96 that we had last year. What's the thought process on that? Did you see our bracket last year? <laughs> yes. It's a mess. <laughs> We had 97 teams. Every time I told somebody that, I mean, everyone was just, it's a prime number. It doesn't make any sense. Yes. It's not a clean bracket. 64 is clean. Everyone knows it from March Madness, and um, it makes sense. Easy to easy to set up, easy to explain, easy for everyone to understand. I think. Everyone has the same amount of wins to get to $2 million. There's none of this. Six or seven wins. It's just it's a lot easier. Right. Um, the structure of the event stays the same. It's winner go home, single elimination. What's the attraction of that to you as a sports fan? It's um, it's I don't, it's everything for me personally. I, I don't I can't really watch anything without the stakes being really high, and that's that's sort of our way of cranking the stakes up uh, as high as possible. What do you mean by that? That you can't watch something where the stakes aren't high? Like, do you have examples of when I get, you're not? I get the best. I get the best joy out of anything. Um, 
of emotion, I guess, of, of watching emotion, of watching people who uh, who are either elated or in tears following uh, a sporting event. Because I, when when I see how much it means to them, then that that sort of heightens heightens how uh, how I view that event. And if I know it means that much to them as they're going through it, then it means that much more to me uh, as a viewer. And you're talking about game sevens heavyweight title yeah, yeah, matches yeah. things like yeah, that so where it just you, you so either win or you don't like, so specifically you know they there aren't there just aren't enough game sevens for me in the nba like i could i could i could watch game sevens all all year and that and i i really like the ncaa tournament format just because every game's a game seven and that's to me that in like the nfl like every game in the playoffs, the same sort of stakes that the, that high stakes environment exists. Game seven in the NHL, even though I don't really like hockey, you know, I, I'd probably tune into part of that. It's just there's something about that winner go home nature that I absolutely love. Um, let's get into the background for a sec, John, because uh, you know you and I went to seventh grade all the way through high school together and have been friends for 28 years. And I don't know if that I've ever actually asked you this before, but why? How did you not play hockey growing up in Boston? Uh, I was too tall. Really? Just yeah. from like a young age, like you just never got into it. Yeah, my ankles turned out. I skated like three times. I don't know. And that was it. I just lo- I loved. I always loved basketball. So I don't and, know. And you were a huge Celtics fan all growing up, right? Yeah, enormous. And Biggest, I that was a. I went to so many Celtics games when in the eighties. I absolutely loved that team. For people that are too young to remember what the old Garden was like, what was that like as a kid? going to those games without the air conditioning and, and all that stuff. Just kind of set the stage there if you can. It was um, extremely smoky. Everyone was smoking all the time back in in America. Back <laughs> Amazing. Then. And um, by the, by halftime, there would be – it was like it was foggy in there, and you could barely hear Kylie on the organ. He was, he was, there was an or- organ music. That's the only – there's no screen, no other music. You could barely hear this guy cranking out Grateful Dead on an organ. They cut <laughs> – Cut, they cut their pizza with scissors. Um, it, was just, it was wild. The whole the garden was wild, and so people had no form of entertainment. They had nothing to look to on the screen, and all they would do is just sit around during timeouts, and they'd start banging things like banging ventilation systems and stomping their feet and just doing anything to to uh, entertain themselves. And then obviously there was the game on the court. That's what typically entertains you, right? Yeah, and I yeah. I was, um, yes, the game in the court was, was unbelievable. I, I hated, hated the Lakers. Like I still do like Kareem, the worst human back then. I, I, when he beat the late, when he beat the Celtics, I think in 85, I, uh, I went to school on Monday in clay class and art class. I, I made a, a tombstone with Kareem's name on it. And I took, I took my Sports Illustrated with Kareem on the front and buried it in my backyard and put the tombstone there. Did you, did you seriously do that? I did, yeah. Man, that's that's devotion. What I, kind of passion is that? That's, but see, that's what I guess that's we're going back to full circle where you were at the beginning. I mean, that's what a true sports fan feels. You know, like yeah. that's exactly that emotion that I think you're trying to foster with these, um, you know, the top fans winning the portion of the prize, right? Yeah, I want 
I want clay cemeteries all over the country after our tournament. That would be hilarious. Hopefully, that'll be a thing that goes around now. That'll become a real popular thing among kids. Oh, huge. What's your um, What's your sports background in general? You played uh, baseball and basketball at Tufts, right? Can you explain a little bit about how those experiences informed you as a sports fan and the kind of how you view sports now? I was, yeah, I think it's important to note that I was not very good um, at either sport, but I walked on to both uh, at Tufts and they're, they're division three, but it's very, the people I played with were a lot better than anyone else I've ever played with. So it was very high competition. Um, and I think that, I think just by being a walk on and somebody who, uh, who kind of like proving people wrong. And I, I obviously believe pretty strongly in the underdog format. So I think that's, that's what TBT is all about is, is, uh, giving, putting everyone on an equal playing field and just letting play do the talk for you. After you uh, graduated from college, you then got into comedy and went out to Chicago. And I'm wondering a little bit about why it was that you did that. Was that about challenging yourself in a different way? I, I don't know. I love, I just love comedy and, uh, growing up and, it wasn't really as much about the challenge as being around like-minded people. And so there, there are a lot of people that I was watching in comedy that, that I, I felt like I shared a sensibility with that I couldn't really get anywhere else. So that's why I started pursuing it. And that led you to LA for a while too. Yeah. For eight years, Santa Monica. What was that like? I loved it out there. The only downside was that friends and family were here. Uh, a lot of friends and family, but I'm, I made great friends there. I loved it there. Let's run through some of the common questions that we get about TBT all the time. I think the one that we get, I get most, and maybe you do too, is why. Like, why do TBT? Um, I don't know. If you take if you take the uh, the walk on experience, I mean, we're basically. You know, we're trying to walk on to be a professional sporting event. <laughs> that's <it's laughs> that's like, a great, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah, it's like we're I walking on, walking on to. I saw this. Um, there's this restaurant. In, I don't know if I told you this in Baton Rouge called Walk Ons, and there's a a description of what a walk on is underneath it. And I'm going to probably paraphrase it, but it says a walk on is someone who was not invited to join the team, and who joins the team anyway. Yeah. Don't you think that's like the that's best? TBT. That's TBT. I think that's a perfect description. And I think it works for TBT. That's a great analogy there. I had not. Well, the great thing is that, you know, we're giving everyone, these teams, the opportunity to uh, to compete and and be the underdog. But we're also the underdog very much. You know, there's so many, so many people who doubt us. And that's what the, that launch video was really all about. So many people that doubt us and. Um, it feels to me like so many people want want us to fail, and that just really pisses me off. <laughs> how much of that do you think is true, and how much of it is sort of our own internalization of the way that we view the world? I think everybody wants this to fail. <laughs> no, <laughs> do that, you really? Do you really think that? I do. I, no, I I don't. Really, I mean, rationally, it's not true, but that's my perception. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like I'm somewhere that I'm not wanted. Well, it does seem like thousands of people have enjoyed it so far, and the word just needs to get out. So you don't feel so alone, I guess it would be what I would say. Yeah. Um, okay. n- another, <laughs> another common question. Uh, where's the money coming from? 
for TBT? Where's this prize money coming from? So far, it's been mainly uh, privately funded. So um, myself, friends, family, etc. This year, though, starting last year, we got Jack Links to uh, to be our presenting sponsor. So now um, they're responsible for you know that that obviously helps our revenue a lot. Um, and uh, that that's our model is to get. We want Jack Link's involvement for a long time, and to get four to five other uh, types of people like them uh, on a lower level to to see value in this model that we're putting on. Uh, another common question: How do I get in to TBT? You kind of talked about that earlier, but what do you think? What's your which? If you could put it in one or two sentences, what's what the best piece mean? of advice? Here's Jesse just texted me. He said okay. Anthony Anthony Davis is very aware of TBT. Wait, what, from the Pelicans? What does that mean? I don't know. I I don't know. I just tell him that's awesome. Very aware. Very aware. See if he can get me tickets to the game. That would be great. By default, I'm going to say cool, exclamation point. Cool. (laughs) Well, that's actually a cool thing because shortly after that article came out yesterday, it does look like there's a Kentucky team that's in in the stages of formation right now. Yeah, that's a good point. It's probably through that. Yeah. I'm going to ask him. It's got to be. I'm sure that the guy that's – we don't need to get into his name yet, but I'm sure that the guy that's organizing that is um, somehow connected to him still. Yep. Sorry, um, I cut you off. No, that's all right. The, so the question – the common question is, in maybe if you can, in one or two sentences, the question is always, how do I get in? How do I play? What, what kind of advice would you give to people that want to play? Um, well, my actually, my number one piece of advice is to – to reach out to you and and uh, and Jesse and start a relationship with you guys and and figure out and figure out what the the uh, best practices are and how other teams have been successful in the past. There's a there's a lot there's a lot of tips that we can learn and and you guys know a lot of information that you guys know for how teams can most effectively reach out and build uh, a network of voters. And, you know, for anyone that is interested in that and just heard what he said, email us at info at the tournament.com info at the tournament.com. We're happy to get in touch with you. And we're here to help you guys through that process. Um, another common question. This is the last one of the common ones. Uh, why do you make teams get votes? Why not just pick the teams that you want to have? My, my easiest answer for that is I want people in the stands and I want people to know about this event. You know, that's like the most, the most direct answer. Um, we want we want franchises to build sort of in a way that mimics pro sports franchises, and a huge part of that is 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 uh, having fans invested in what they're doing. And but you know, pro sports have the benefit of being fifty, sixty, seventy years old, so we don't have that benefit. So this this is sort of our shortcut of getting every team to start thinking along those lines of of building uh, a fan network behind them. All right, this is um we've been on for almost half an hour, but I want to ask you this before we go. What of the little tidbits about TBT 2016 are you kind of personally most looking forward to seeing? Ringer. The Ringer? Yep. No question about anything else? No question about it. What is it? Who would be, if you were starting a team, who would be your ideal Ringer? If you, Assuming that you're doing it not for I mean, people I'm like, I'm really connected to or if I could pick anybody. All right. Well, yeah, let's do both. 
the first one, the first question, the first answer is if you were actually putting it out of their team, that's realistic for you to put together with buddies from college or whatever that, you know, who would be the ringer that you most likely would be able to get? And then the second one is if you could get any ringer in the world, realistically, who would you pick? If I get, if I could win two games in TBT, I'd like to believe I could get to, uh, Jimmer Fredette. Get him to ring for us. That'd be great. He'd actually be really good in this format, I think. I think so too. Um, if, but I, I have no connection to him. I have no basis for saying that. Yeah. I don't even know. The, I don't know the man, so right. I'm, regret, I'm regretting that answer. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I just I don't have that team building frame of mind right now. But if 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 you know, I I would just want the best player in the world. Who can who can who would be the best non? Oh, Kobe Bryant. Oh, Kobe Bryant would be great because he's done on July one, right? Kobe Bryant or Paul. And if Paul Pierce retires, I would want Paul Pierce. If, if Tim Duncan retires, I'd want Tim Duncan. Those this are the guys. This is, actually, I mean, I think I would pick Duncan if I had my choice of those three because I feel like Duncan still is playing at the highest level. Yeah, but I would take those are my guys. If you had to pick between Pierce and Kobe right now, at the stage of their careers that they're both at, respectively, who would you take? Kobe. How come? I think he would. Lo- I think he would love playing in this format. Pierce would too, but I think Kobe would would really just drive your team four wins to two million dollars. Even if, if he's more of a ball first guy. Well, no. I mean, what I've heard of Pierce is that he's he would love this event too. So I don't. I don't know. I think that I haven't seen Pierce play this year. I haven't seen either of them play. Yeah, me neither. But um. I just know what I write. There's something. Yeah, yeah. I think they're pretty equal for me. That's great. All right, John, I would love to have you back on again soon. Good luck. (laughs) Thank you. The podcast is going great. I really appreciate your time. And uh, I'll talk to you later. All right. All right, bye. Thanks. Bye.